LA is vast, vibrant, simultaneously stunning, as well as challenging and confusing. At Together LA, this city is our passion. We know that loving LA well starts with listening, pounding the pavement in search of the individuals invested in the flourishing of Los Angeles. These are the inspiring stories and real life interviews with the men and women who work to bring the gospel to LA in their unique ways. Thanks for joining us as we bring you closer to the heart of LA, one story, one voice, one neighborhood at a time. We are Tommy and Jojo, and this is the Together LA Listening Tour. Hi, welcome to another episode of Together LA's podcast, The Listening Tour. And so Jeremy Johanna, uh, Jeremy, just so you know, the reason we call it The Listening Tour is we realize that as students, we are students of the city. Our job is to listen to what God is doing in the city and how we could be part of it. And so we are interviewing people, key leaders like yourself or Ali or Nicole Rivas before that in terms of what you guys are doing in the city and gleaning insights from you guys as you serve. Well, I love that. I love the vision and it's an honor to be with you guys. I'm grateful for the good work that you're doing. Thank you. My co-host today is Johanna. And so welcome again, Johanna. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming, Jeremy. We're excited to talk to you. Uh, now, Johanna, Jeremy and I, I knew him. Uh, I like to tell everyone that I knew him way before back in the Chicago days when he was a PhD student at Wheaton College and we went to the same church. And now he's uh, in a big time church in L.A. and he's a rock star. And I guess people call him Dr. J and everything. <laughs> I've been remembering those Chicago days recently, watching the the, the last dance documentary. Yes, yes, bringing back all the memories, all the love for Chicago. Okay, before we talk about everything that you're doing, let me. Uh, since you're a huge basketball fan, did you grow up watching Jordan? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I so I lived in Alaska till I was twelve, and so when you're in Alaska, you just get to pick whatever team you want to cheer yeah. for, right? Because you got no team there. And so for some reason, we got WGN, the Chicago yes. TV station in Alaska. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I grew up watching all the Jordan games. Yes. And so I moved to Seattle when I was 12. And then I became a Seattle Supersonics fan. May they rest in peace. And, uh, and but I went and watched Jordan play against the Sonics live. And wow. I mean, it was like, it was one of the sweetest moments of my life. I mean, my dad took me and my brother and we watched and, we like worked our way down throughout the game. And by the end, it was a blowout. And we got right there close to Jordan. It was it was amazing. Very nice. Hey, as you're watching this documentary about Jordan, what is something that you're learning about those that last year of the championship run that you just never knew that that just really excites you or really interests you? You know, I think it's uh, you probably learn this lesson about like leadership anytime that there's always a lot of like there's always a lot more going on behind the scenes than you realize. And the kind of leadership of Phil Jackson to manage the team and the press and the drama. And then even Jordan's leadership in that, like just seeing how, how like messy it is from the inside um, is, is just, uh, it's a good reminder. You know, you kind of look back and you think glory days and they just kind of plowed through teams and dominated and it was easy and it wasn't that way at all. It was a lot of, a lot of working through difficult stuff to get to that place. Yep, because you saw that ultra competitive about Jordan. To this day, I was just listening to an interview with Charles Barkley on 
ESPN, how he insulted and said something bad about Jordan as an owner, and Jordan just completely cut him off as friends. Yeah. But then well, you also – oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, Jordan was like – he's the ultimate competitor. I mean, I feel like that's what sets him apart from everyone else is that he he had such a drive to win and was so determined. And I think one of my favorite things about Jordan in general is if anyone ever said anything about him or questioned him, I mean, it was over. Forget about it. Like he he has such a kind of chip on his shoulder to prove himself, uh, which you know is probably deeply unhealthy, but makes for some great basketball. Johanna, Jeremy, I could talk with basketball with him all day. <laughs> but here, let me transition to ministry. We didn't, talk even, we didn't even talk about the Clippers, though. That's my squad. Trust me, way. I could do it too. I'm <laughs> a <big> Jordan fan. <laughs> love uh, basketball. I also love Charles Barkley. He was kind of my favorite player growing up. Oh, but. nice. <laughs> Jeremy, I mean, even as you were segmenting to leadership now during this pandemic, what is your leadership style? And how have you even seen how your leadership style is as you're guiding and navigating the church? How have you seen that in action during this time? Yeah. Really quick before you answer, I want to just make it clear that we are interviewing Jeremy Street of Reality LA Church in LA. So just to give some context. It's okay. I can just be Tommy's old friend for this podcast. <laughs> um, no, I, I think the leadership question is a, is a really important one right now. I mean, what... What I feel like we've tried to lean into during this time is that we've got the same mission, but we've got to have different methods. And so what we're doing as a church, I mean, we're seeking the renewal of our city through the good news of Jesus Christ. And like, that's unchanging for us, but we've got to go about that in totally different ways right now. And so I feel like um, at the heart of how I'm trying to lead is um, empowering people to adapt and to adjust based on the current situation that we're in. If our mindset is, well, how do we keep doing things of what we used to do and do in the same way and have this kind of survive, like just how do we maintain that? Then we're going to die. But if we adapt and we change, and, and that doesn't mean like abandoning our vision or a mission or even like our core convictions or theology, but being flexible and and getting creative i mean honestly one of the things for me that i've enjoyed the most in all of this is that this crisis has forced a lot of creativity and the the need to innovate and make decisions in a much shorter amount of time than you normally would um there's that's stressful for sure but it's also it's created a lot of opportunities that have been really sweet so far. So I'm trying to get people to see that, that these obstacles can be opportunities and to make the most out of this in whatever way that is. I love what you say there. Um, you know, I think working for a large organization like Prison Fellowship, it's been very, I've been also very curious as to how we were going to make this massive transition during this time and have been so blown away and so impressed by how creative people have been and how quickly we've been able to sort of turn a ship and, um, and really listen and meet the needs um, in real time. And, um, and so kudos to you because that kind of stuff is, is not easy to do by any means. Um, I would love to ask you, um, what are some of the 
biggest challenges that you're you're seeing right now um, with with sort of having to change course and all of that? Can you and how are you how are you dealing with it? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I mean, there's gosh, there's so many challenges, right? I mean, um, one of the first one that comes to mind for me, and that I feel like is somewhat particular to our church, but especially just churches in Los Angeles, is we have a lot of single people in our church. I mean, our church mm. is majority single people. And um, and so the this is a really isolating time. And a lot of people who live alone. And so, you know, I kind of see my some of my pastor friends around the nation really leaning into like, this is like a time for family worship and time with families. And, yeah. and that's great. Like I personally, I've, I've, I've really enjoyed this time with my family and I'll never forget it. But as I pastor our church, that's not the reality for most people. Yeah. And so that's been a challenge of, of helping people stay connected and feel connected and knowing that people are hurting and dealing with mental illness. And, you know, it, it's like you have all the, everyone's having financial problems and fear and anxiety, but then you're alone. Like you, you don't have, people to lean on in those. And so being able to pastor people through that is difficult because technology is really helpful, but it, it cannot replace the kind of face-to-face, -face, sitting side-by-side, -side, weeping with someone kind of interaction that we need right now. So that's been a real challenge that we're trying to navigate. Yeah. Hey, and Jeremy, I mean, Reality LA compared and also compared to a lot of LA churches, it's unique. You guys get a lot of people from Hollywood and many of them are out of a job or looking for work. And this is just not a good time for people in Hollywood. How have you come alongside and helped them or what are some of the challenges that they're dealing with in the midst of this pandemic? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, we're definitely, we're, we're helping people out financially in, in a lot of different ways. It's tough because right now, I mean, as we record this, we're still at the stage where nothing is reopened. And, and so... It, you know, eventually we want to talk about like how we can help uh, people in terms of like getting new jobs and getting creative with their gift sets and their abilities. And I mean, we do a good amount of faith and work ministry. I know that Together LA values that a lot. And I think a lot of that moving forward will be helping people figure out how to get into new areas, you know, and find there's going to be lots of new uh, financial opportunities that come out of this too, right? Mm -hmm. So we're we're trying. Eventually, I think we'll get into some of that. But right now, I mean, I I feel like we're still in the the grieving, lamenting, like trying to figure out. Okay, who this? When we have our elder meetings right now, it's okay. Who did we hear lost work this week? You know, um, and so we're still very much in in that stage. I mean, we're definitely definitely trying to help people rally in terms of the people who kind of have these creative projects that they're doing. And it's, it's a way for them to be able to get by in the midst of that, of trying to push people towards those resources. But, but it's really, we're so limited right now in that. It's such a balance, right? You know, I, I can remember um, when we first started into this quarantine here in LA and seeing so many posts, hopeful posts and, you know, I'm going to do all of these things. And, and, and for me too, I'm like, no, I'm sad. 
this is, I'm lament, my whole life is being uprooted and changed. I don't want to do anything. I, I just need to like cry and process. And, and I think it is, it's so you have to be able to carry both of those things. You know, I think that that's so important to do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that um, when we come up against our limits in life is oftentimes where we're forced to learn how to lament. And, and this is certainly one of those times in a, like a collective sense more than we've ever seen where there's just not much we can do about certain things right now, right? Like if you're hurting financially, it's, it's tough. You can't go and, and, and apply for jobs and, and do all that. So there is a, a, a real need to lament and to be able to kind of sit in the sorrow and, and be honest with the Lord so to all that anxiety or fear or frustration or questions and be able to direct that towards God and to pray like the psalmists prayed so often, say, how long, O oh Lord? And Do you think that's hard for Christians to do, to lament, oh, be angry? Yeah, I, I feel, yeah, incredibly. I, I feel like um, there's been such a culture in the church for a long time, at least in the American church in our context, that you've got to you've got to come across happy go lucky to God, and you kind of can't acknowledge pain in your life. I, I feel like as a pastor, one of the things that I'm doing constantly with people is giving them permission to be honest with God. And it's not like they need that from me, but people feel like they have to fake it with God. That if they're if they're hurting, if they're sad, if they don't understand where what God's doing in all of this that they kind of have to stuff that down and pretend like, okay, God, well, I guess I'll just give thanks for this situation because that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's not how I honestly feel. So I, I always try and tell people that God wants you to bring that to him. God doesn't want your best performance. He wants you. Um, and so, I, yeah, I feel like as a pastor, we've got to teach people how to lament. We've got to give them permission to lament. I mean, that's, again, I go to the Psalms. I, Growing up in the church, I was not given the categories or even the language to be able to lament. And so the, the Psalms have taught me how to do that, of just praying the Psalms. Do you know where I learned to lament? <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. It was from um, that movie with Jim Carrey and Morgan Freeman, where Morgan Freeman is God and Jim Carrey <laughs> Um uh, gets God's powers and he's I don't know there's this if you remember this but there's a scene in the movie where he's driving about to drive off a cliff and there's all of these signs saying stop 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 the road's coming to an end and he's like smite me almighty smiter and and just to see Morgan Freeman and the love that Morgan Freeman as God had for Jim Carrey's character in that film I was like whoa can I do that? <laughs> yeah. Hollywood taught me how to lament. And then of course going into the Psalms from there and, and learning that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I, I think if you heard some of the Psalms like out of context, you would you would say things like, You can't say that to God. Like that's you're not allowed to talk to God that way. Um, but that's exactly how the psalmists talk to him. And and what I love about it is like when you hear some of the psalmists um, asking these questions and even sometimes sound like they're accusatory, I think they're usually more appealing to God's character. But what I like to remind people of is 
what are they doing though? They're directing that to God. It's so that frustration and questions and, and all that, it's not like they're looking down at the ground and, and just sulking in themselves. I mean, they're praying like, and those are genuine, honest prayers. So to be able to look to the Lord um, with all of that is an act of faith in and of itself um, to be able to be vulnerable with God like that. Got it. Hey, Jeremy, one of the things that you mentioned early on in our interview is that it has forced you guys to be creative. What are some of the creative things that you guys have tried or implemented at Reality LA? Yeah, well, you guys know about the thing that we did for Easter, and that was um, that was really incredible. I mean, I was, I, I, it was one of the first things I thought of early on when I when we heard that we weren't going to be able to gather as church, and I thought Easter is like a month out. We're not going to be able to have an Easter gathering, and and so uh, this idea just came to me of what if we what if we had people share their stories of how Jesus changed their life on social media. And, and, and then I kind of thought, whoa, if we did that, that we could have an even broader reach than we normally have if everyone in our church actually did that. And what's so beautiful about it is not only do you have more people hearing the gospel, but you're empowering all the people in the church to be the preachers and not just, you know, me as a pastor. And so we did that. And it was, it was honestly really incredible. I mean, there were, there were thousands and thousands of posts on Instagram and, and Facebook and Twitter and on YouTube. And, and I, even afterwards, one of the things I was most encouraged about was not only, not only how many people heard the gospel, and I heard multiple stories of people becoming Christians through it, but seeing the people in our church who, who it, it took so much faith for them to go public like that. For many people, it was the first time they've done that. And then the sense of confidence that they had after that of like, I can do this. So I, I feel like not only was it a great day of proclaiming the gospel, it really like strengthened us as a church to be people who are more bold in our faith and willing to talk about um, how Jesus has changed our lives. So that was one area that, um, that, that was just really encouraging and I think has even sparked creativity in other ways in our staff and in our church. I love that too, because, you know, we, what we talk about at Together LA is sort of how, how do we, you know, take all of these disparate areas um, across LA and how do we, you know, what, what is the unifier, the great unifier? And I mean, of course it's Jesus, right? And, and that's so clearly what your campaign showed. Um, And it was just a beautiful way to sort of see that in practice. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like, um, I've seen a lot of unity happening amongst the church throughout this time. I mean, I've, I'm constantly texting and emailing with other pastors in LA, but I've done that more over the last six weeks than I ever have. And, and even having the space to be able to text someone and say, Hey, like, have you guys thought through this, this aspect? Like, I don't know what we're going to do, you know, Um, or, or to be able to pray for each other. And there's a lot of fear that comes with uncertainty. So even to be united and kind of, uh, like stirring each other up to faith has, has been really encouraging. So I definitely think it's times like these where you kind of realize that you're, the things that you differ on, whether it's in theology or philosophy of ministry, um, you, you can set those aside and be able to focus on what you're united on even more than that. Yeah. Hey, Jeremy, let me ask you, as a leader and as a lead pastor at Reality LA, how do you balance between meeting expenses, even as you talk with your pastors, 
payroll, budgeting, rent, leases, all of that stuff, tithing, but also knowing that your congregation members, many of them are struggling. How do you balance all of that stuff and still being generous? Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, we're talking to the church. We're trying to remind the church of things that we've always said and that the church is a family and we and we take care of one another. I mean, you think of that Acts 2 of like selling possessions and helping each other out. And so what we've tried to do is encourage people first to really be aware of what's going on in their in their community groups and their friendships and be looking for ways to help out with one another. So that that's foundational in all of this. Um, and then we've we've just tried to call people to continue to give of letting them know that of what we're doing as a church and and how we're called to be a generous people because we serve a generous God. So just just talking about that, I mean, one of the advantages for us going into this is that um, the vast majority of our giving before this took place, um, it happens digitally. Uh, I mean, over 90%, I think. Yeah. And so that, that wasn't really an adjustment for us, where I know for a lot of churches, that was a huge adjustment. Um, and our church has just been really faithful in giving. Honestly, as a pastor, I've like, I've wept in in seeing like how generous people are giving are being through this. So that's been really encouraging. Um, but one of the other things that we're doing with our with our leadership is we're just trying to prepare for different scenarios with this. So, uh, I mean, this is certainly going to create an economic recession at some level. I mean, we're already there. And so we're preparing for different scenarios of how to cut back on whatever we can. And our mentality with that is we want to we um, hope for and pray for and plan for the best, but we want to be prepared for the worst. Um, and knowing that there's a lot of people in our church who have lost work and it's going to hit people financially in so many different ways. Um, so our giving has remained steady and that's been really encouraging but we're preparing for different scenarios where if that dips down, I mean, we're expecting that even just with the economy going down with that to happen at some level, we're just trying to be prepared far in advance with that. Um, and to be able to be ready as those different scenarios come. Yeah. Hey, Jeremy, I've heard a lot of different pastors disagree on this or even elder boards disagree on this. What is reality LA's or even your stances on receiving government funding for the first time we have that PPP plan where they are now paying for two and a half months of your payroll. How, how do you see this? What's your uh, framework on that? Yeah, man, this, it's a really complicated um, question. And it's one that we wrestled through with our board of trustees, which is um, a team that's uh, separate from our elder board that has um, people with the right gift sets for us to be able to have, to be above reproach financially and legally and all of that. and we really wrestled through this. And um, for us, we, we did not apply uh, to receive any government funds. And that's simply because we're at a place where we can't say in good faith that our, our giving has gone down because of the coronavirus. And so I know that different people have different ways of thinking about that in terms of planning for the future and what it could mean and what you have to expect. And so uh, I, I'm not. I, I'm not trying to make any statements for anyone else, but for us, kind of looking where we're at right now and what the purpose of the stimulus package is, 
uh, we decided not to apply for that. And part of that was even, I mean, honestly, like we prayed through this and talked through this and our posture with this throughout has been, we want to love our city really well during this time. And, and if, if, if at this point we're okay financially, which we are, then if we take that money and it runs out and somebody else doesn't get it, then, then that, that's not doing the loving thing for someone else who's in greater need. So, I mean, it's hard even kind of summarizing that in a couple of minutes because we had lots of conversations and we have a, a team of people who are very well trained financially on our on our staff and on our board who are working through all the complexities of that. But at the end of the day, we that's that's the position that we came to yeah. with for our church. Johanna. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Um you know, one of the things that has struck me about this interview is talking, kind of going back to lament and talking about the lament. Um, and I appreciate your honesty on that. But I would love to know um, also, you know, what is bringing you a lot of hope, you know, and, yeah. and how are you translating that? Yeah, well, I, I definitely I, I there's a lot of reasons for hope. I mean, I see the Lord doing a good work. I see the church stepping up. Um, we've over the last few weeks, we've started going through the book of Philippians, um, on Sundays during this time. And it just feels so fitting because, um, Paul's in prison. It, uh, you know, you can hardly imagine a more difficult earthly circumstance. He's in this cold rat infested prison chained to Roman guards. And yet he's talking about joy and about advancing the gospel and, and, and so we've talked about this in terms of we want to be strengthened by this adversity. And that's what I'm seeing more and more. And that gives me a lot of hope. Um, as, as things are stripped away that so many people have been tempted to put their, find their hope in or their security in, um, many of those things are being stripped away right now. And we're remembering that Christ is what we have. And there's, there's no firmer foundation to stand on than Christ. So I really feel like reading the scriptures and, and even looking back throughout church history, the church thrives in times of adversity because uh, because we're forced to kind of pair back to what matters most. We're forced to depend on God and not our own strength. And, and you know, I, I talked about this with our church last week. I think to like to advance and to move forward and to thrive in the midst of this, that doesn't mean like worldly success just in terms of bigger and better and flashier and all that. But I think of, of really growing this kind of gospel resilience that strengthens us over time, that brings us together, that increases our our compassion for the hurting in our city. Um, so I've, I've got a lot of hope moving forward. I mean, I honestly, I think this thing is going to be, it's going to be really brutal and it's going to take a long time. Uh, I mean, I, you know, as Andy Crouch has, has been saying, like, uh, th this isn't, we're not in the middle of a blizzard. This is the beginning of winter. But I I've, have so much confidence and hope that God is doing a really powerful work in this to the point that I think we'll look back decades from now and not just say, you know, 2020, the year of the coronavirus, but we'll say the year that the Lord did these amazing things. So that's my hope. Jeremy, as we wrap up, I'm going to wrap up on a fun note. Uh, when you talk about hope, you have four beautiful daughters in Tiffany. And, but, you know, one of the stories was, and I was wondering as we wrap up, share a little bit of story about how one of your daughters was born in a unique way. 
Well, I like to say that my daughter Lauren was born and raised on the streets of Chicago um, because she, she literally was. And then my, my wife gave birth in the front seat of our Honda Civic on the side of the road, uh, right in front of our, our apartment. So, I mean, she went into labor really fast. She ran out the door and I had to catch up to her. And um, she, she went into labor, labor. I put her in the front seat and within about 60 seconds, I was holding baby in my arms. Um, and right there in broad daylight in Chicago with people walking by on their Sunday morning walk. Oh, um, so, <laughs> so I, I don't know, glad it happened. I, I delivered my, my second daughter and she's healthy and, uh, and we're really grateful. Yeah. Honda Civics can do everything, can they? <laughs> that's right. Wow, that's incredible. That's right. Now, Jeremy, does she love like to tell her friends that story? Does she brag about this story or is she embarrassed by that story? Uh, she she likes it. She It's such a unique story. And it was on Mother's Day. So, I mean, her, her birthday is this week. And um, so it's it's a fun little bond for her and my wife. And it's such she loves the look that 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 she sees on people's faces when when she tells the story. So she revels in it. Ah, uh, Jeremy, our good, my good friend Jeremy, pastor of vision and leadership over and preaching over at Reality LA. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. Oh, it's a joy. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And hopefully someday soon, very soon, we'll all be together at Disneyland. Yes. That sounds great. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Take a, for more information on Together LA, go to togetherla.net. And hey, Jeremy, what is the website for Reality LA if they want to uh, hear your sermons and hear you preach? Yeah, it's just realityla.com. All right. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Have a good day. Say hi to Tiffany and the girls. All right. Thank you. Bye, Johanna. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Together LA Listening Tour. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Together LA channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with Together LA on Instagram, Facebook, and our website at www.togetherla.net. See you next time.